the Lord stopped me one day about three or four years ago, and he said, I want you to begin to listen to what's coming across the pulpit. He said, I want you to listen real carefully. He said, because he said, there is some problems coming, and he said, I want you to be aware of it. And he said, if you'll listen carefully, you'll find that almost 90% of the ministry that you're listening to is coming from the Old Testament and these things. All the statements that are speaking to the judgment of God that's coming upon the world is being communicated in such a way that what people are hearing is more fear than they are grace and comfort. And they're beginning to hear so much about judgment that what's being communicated is that the judgment of God is going to come upon them. And he said, the problem is they're reading so much from the Old Testament that my people are forgetting which side of Calvary they're actually on. And it began to trouble me because, again, you have to really understand what we're going to go through here is discover over these eight hours of teaching uh, just really which side of Calvary we're on. Because you cannot, and this is the, the premise of what I'm trying to communicate here. Uh, we're to read the Old Testament, we're to understand it, but the New Testament is where we're supposed to live because we do have a new covenant that's based upon better promises. But in this Old Testament, it's very subtle. If you, all you do is read the Old Testament prophets, for example, you begin to see how God dealt with Israel, His people, and you begin to hear about the judgments and God's wrath falling upon them over and over again for these things. And ever so subtly, you'll begin to hear that this is how God deals with us today. God does not deal with us today as He did with them in that day. But if all you read and if all you hear are messages that come from the Old Covenant, it happens so subtly you don't realize it. And you become what I call Old Testament-minded. So now, that's where the crux of this all began. So God began to have me to teach on the grace of God again. Now let me say again from the beginning, the grace of God is one of the most uh, dangerous topics in all of the body of Christ to teach because the grace of God is a message that can be taken to an extreme uh, to the point that it causes a lot of, causes a lot of damage. Uh, in other words, people begin to feel like they can just do anything they want to. And we're going to speak to all that in the coming weeks. And of course, that's not the case. But what I've discovered is that Romans 2.4 is still in the Bible. And Romans 2.4 says that it is the goodness of God that is intended to draw people's hearts and minds to repentance. No matter how many times you may have heard me say that, I really want you to get these things from the beginning. It is the goodness of God that is intended to draw people's hearts and minds to change. It is the goodness of God that is intended to cause people to change. We're not supposed to beat people over the head with sticks. That's not God's best. And surely I guarantee if all you do is preach about sin, all you do is create what's called a sin consciousness in people. And what we're going to discover is that we really don't have the right to speak about sin until first we've communicated the truth about grace. Because what we'll discover is, is the revelation of God's grace is what actually empowers you to be free from sin. In other words, not me just preaching to you about sin over and over again. But if you're looking on your notes there, actually before you do the notes, I'm going to read something from a devotion from this morning. Uh, on my Bible program, I have these devotions that come up from Charles Spurgeon, you know, the very famous you know, preacher here in London that was here. And I thought that was interesting that this afternoon's uh, devotion was from this verse. You don't have to look it up, but I just want to read this. And remember, this was written back in about 1870. But the scripture that Spurgeon used for today was Zechariah 1, verse 12 and 13, which says this, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy upon Jerusalem? And the Lord answered the angel, and he said, with good words and comfortable words. Now this is 
Again, written in something, like I said, 19th century English, so you've got to be patient. I'll try to read it slowly, but Spurgeon said, What a sweet answer to this anxious inquiry. This night let us rejoice in it. O Zion, there are good things in store for thee. Thy time of travail shall soon be over. Thy children shall be brought forth. Thy captivity shall end. Bear patiently the rod for a season. In other words, if they're under a place of correction. He said, bear patiently the rod for a season, and under the darkness still trust in God, for His love burneth towards thee. Now these are the parts from here I want you to really listen to. He said, God loves the church with a love too deep for human imagination. He loves her with all His infinite heart. Therefore let her sons be of good courage. She cannot be far from prosperity to whom God speaks these words that are good and comfortable. What these comfortable words are, the prophet goes on to tell us, quote, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy, unquote. The Lord loves His church so much that He cannot bear that she should go astray to others. And when she has done so, He cannot endure that she should suffer too much or too heavily. He will not have his enemies afflict her. He is displeased with them because they increase her misery. When God seems most to leave his church, his heart is warm towards his church. History shows that whenever God uses a rod to chasten his servants, he always breaks it afterwards as if he loathed the rod which gave his children pain. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. God hath not forgotten us because he smites. His blows are no evidence of want of love. If this is true of his church collectively, it is of necessity true also of each individual member. You may fear that the Lord has passed you by, but it is not so. He who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. He knows your case as thoroughly as if you were the only creature he ever made or the only saint he ever loved. So you can approach him tonight and be at peace. That's the end of it. But I thought that was good just because this bit of where he's talking about God so loves his church that he cannot bear that they go astray too far. But anyhow, just, I just thought that was interesting that we're starting this tonight.